Lord Jesus, we look to you. We listen to you. We pray that your words will challenge us and inspire us to live for you and you alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's almost two years since the G8 came to Enniskill and it's hard to believe that that's now two years ago. Amidst all the extra security and the influx of journalists and TV cameras and all the police that happened to camp outside our house, one part of the preparations made headline news across the world. Right throughout the centre of Enniskillen and even, even in Brookburg, there suddenly appeared all these fake shop fronts. On the outside, it looked like a thriving business. They livened up the street. But inside, behind that front, behind that facade, it was a, a derelict building. Something that was useful for no one. There were even uh, reports of some people not really concentrating as they walked up the street and uh, uh, knocking on the door of the cafe to see why they couldn't get in. But despite the front, the, the, the picture, how it appeared on the outside, there was no food available on the inside. You'd go hungry if you were depending on the picture on the outside. Those uh, fake shop fronts are a picture of uh, the Pharisees and the religious people that Jesus meets in our reading today. On the outside, uh, they look the business. They're very impressive. They look uh, very holy, very religious, very committed. Uh, You'd certainly want them to be a member of your church. But Jesus exposes the reality behind the front. He goes below the surface to see what they're really like underneath. At a meal in a Pharisee's house, Jesus exposes the woes of religion. Now that might sound strange. You see, we we think that Jesus would like the religious people and that they would like him. But Jesus shows us that he's not looking for an outward religion which looks good but doesn't change the heart. So let's listen in to see what the marks of outward religion are to make sure that that isn't us as well. And it might be useful if you have at the passage open, page 70, in the New Testament of the Bibles, and also the outline, which might let you see where we're going. 
So Jesus is invited to dinner at the home of a Pharisee. He comes in, he sits down, and he starts to eat. And the Pharisee, verse 38, is amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Now this isn't just uh, what you teach the kids. You know, make sure you wash your hands before you come to the table. The Pharisees, they had uh, elaborate rules about uh, ceremonial cleansing before eating. To show that they were clean and pure. But Jesus doesn't bother with that ritual. He just takes his seat and starts to eat. The Pharisee is amazed because this is something he always does. He always follows the rules. He always does it properly. He wouldn't think of coming to the table without having done all this elaborate cleansing ritual. But it isn't a rule in the Bible. It's something that the Pharisees made up for themselves to show how extra specially good and clean they were. And Jesus diagnoses the problem in verse 39. Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish. But inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? Imagine Jesus calling someone a fool. Imagine Jesus going to dinner in someone's house and calling the host a fool. Yet that's what Jesus does. You see the Pharisees. They make sure that they're clean on the outside. They put on a good front. But inside they're unclean. Like the fake shops. They look good on the outside. But inside they're dirty. And undone. They need to be clean. On the inside also. It's not right uh, to be full of greed and wickedness and yet pretend to be something else. And that that leads Jesus to launch into the series of woes. These are the marks of outward religion. Here's a sign uh, that you're more like a Pharisee than a Christian. And the first is to concentrate on the wrong priorities. Verse 42. Woe to you Pharisees for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds and neglect justice and the love of God. The Pharisees, they focus on the law that says you have to tithe, that you have to give to God a tenth of everything. So the Pharisees, imagine them, they're, they're, they're down on their knees, they're in their garden, in their, in their herb garden, and they're carefully counting and cutting the mint leaves to make sure that one in every ten is put in the basket to go to God. They're meticulous. It wouldn't be an easy job to do, 
to count those little tiny leaves and to make sure that you got the right number. They're so meticulous, but they neglect something greater. Justice for the oppressed. Love for God. Religion can get obsessed with the wrong priorities and think that some things matter and some things don't. Secondly, religion is more concerned with position and respect. And for those of us who uh, sit in rows uh, and um, sit in the special seat, uh, this isn't the only reason Davy's leading today, so that he was there and I wasn't. But Jesus says, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honour in the synagogues. And to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. I wonder, do we see church? Do we see religion as a way to be seen and to be respected? Or are we serving God? And sitting where it's practical to lead the service from? You see, it's a heart issue. We need to see below the surface to see uh, the motive of our hearts do we see the church as something respectable something that gives us a little bit of position a little bit of power third outward religion makes other people unclean you see to step on a grave made you unclean But an unmarked grave was a danger. You see, you didn't know that you touched it. You didn't know that you'd walked over it. And this outward religion has a way of affecting others, of leading them astray, of making them unclean without them even realising it. Have you ever seen one of those um, wrestling matches where it's a tag team? And someone's in the ring and they're getting a hammering and and someone else steps in in their place. Well, it's a bit like this here because uh, in verse uh, 45, uh, one of the lawyers, now this isn't, you know, the the solicitors or the barristers. These are the teachers of the law. Uh, These are um, religious people as well. Uh, And one of them steps in. He's watching the Pharisees get a hammering and he's offended on their behalf. So Jesus turns and tackles the teachers of the law as well. That woe for religion burdens people and doesn't help them. You see, by setting all these extra rules like your cleansing ritual before you eat and how many steps you could take on the Sabbath and what constituted work and all those other things. They set these extra rules. It adds a burden to people who are trying to follow But it doesn't help them live for God. And they don't help them out. Woe five. They honour the people who attacked the true spokesmen sent by God. Jesus mentions an A to Z of martyrs. From Abel, who was the son of Adam and Eve, right through to Zechariah. 
All of them sent by God. All of them attacked and killed by the religious people who didn't want to listen what God was saying through them. It seems that there were uh, loads of uh, special tombs being erected for the prophets. As if to say this is where, well not Elijah, this is where Elisha is buried. And we honour him by uh, building his tomb and, and keeping it well. But Jesus says that they're actually celebrating that these people are dead. They're celebrating that God's witness was silenced in that generation. And of course that's what these religious people will do in a few chapters time when they attack and kill the son of God. The final woe is that the key of knowledge is taken away. By making God's word awkward and obscure the lawyers don't enter into knowing God and they make sure that no one else can either. The door is locked and they've thrown away the key to stop people getting in and coming to God. The woes of religion, a focus on looking good while being far from good. The Pharisees and the scribes are furious and begin to be very hostile to him. Towards the end of the passage, Jesus summarizes the woes of religion in one word. Look at chapter 12 and verse 1. The crowds are all around, but Jesus speaks to the disciples and he says, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. That is their hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is a bit like yeast. It spreads quickly. It affects everything it comes in contact with. Jesus says to have nothing to do with it. Perhaps you've invited people to come to church. Perhaps you said, look, we're having something special. Why don't you come? And the answer is, well, why would I want to go there? The people there are all hypocrites. We need to hear this diagnosis of religion to to see if if that's actually us. Are we like this? Jesus gives his disciples three ways to beware of hypocrisy. Three answers to outward religion. So let's look at them briefly together. First of all, fight hypocrisy with integrity. If hypocrisy is a bit like the cup earlier on that is one thing on the outside, nice and clean on the outside and and yet horrible on the inside, then integrity is being the same all the time. To be the same on the inside and the outside. Jesus says nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered. And nothing secret that will not become new. Therefore whatever you have said in the dark 
will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be proclaimed from the housetops. I think we're learning this more and more in the digital age. That something written in an email or a text message isn't private. It sometimes doesn't end up just with the person you send it to. And your words which seem so simple and so uh, quiet and and, uh, shared just with uh, a friend. Can sometimes make headline news. Can spread far wider than you would ever imagine. So don't let secrets flourish. Live in the light. Be open and honest. Let some people inside to know the real you. Not just the you that you show to the world. Secondly, don't fear people. But do fear God. Some of us live to please other people. Everything we do is for them and what they will think of us. But Jesus says, don't worry about their opinion. Don't don't fear uh, people. I mean, the worst they can do is kill you. God is the one whose opinion matters. God is the one who can not only kill, but also throw into hell. But even as we fear him, Remember at the very same time that he also loves us. You see uh, what Jesus says there in verse 6. Are you know if um, five sparrows are sold for two pennies. And yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. If God cares about something as small as a sparrow. How much more does he care about you? How much more. Does he love you? So fear him. But don't be afraid. Living to please God. In the light of his love he transforms us. Because he knows us and loves us and cares for us. And lastly. Don't be ashamed of Jesus if we live as his people if we acknowledge him then he will acknowledge us it's not about being religious and obeying a set of rules it's about being in relationship with him being connected to him The danger of religious hypocrisy is real. We can look good on a Sunday morning and be a terror through the rest of the week. But knowing God, being in relationship with him changes us from the inside out and helps us to live for him knowing his love and his care.
Jesus says, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. That is, their hypocrisy. Let's pray. Father God, you know us and you love us. You know us even better than we know ourselves. You see what we're like on the inside as well. We pray that you would help us to change. Help us to beware of hypocrisy. Help us to live for you. In relationship with your son. We pray this in Jesus name.